Hey guys, just a quick disclaimer before we get into the video. We recorded this episode on Thursday, but because after we recorded the news of Derek Lalonde being the new head coach broke, we ended up moving this episode that was originally slated for Friday back until Monday. So that's why some of our references may be a little bit dated at this point, but it's still a great interview with Sam McGilligan. We go over uh, Logan Cooley and Yurash Slavkovsky prospect profiles, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Today on Lockdown Red Wings, we bring back Sam McGilligan of McKean's Hockey to help us profile Yurash Slavkovsky and Logan Cooley. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. I uh, We are your hosts. Almost said I am your host. I'm getting one day without Scotty, and I'm already like, I am the host. Uh, we are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a producer over at 97.1 Ticket. Well, Scotty's host at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today we bring back Sam McGilligan of McKean's Hockey as we continue to just really pound out these uh, prospect profiles as the draft, guys, is next week. It is coming really hot. And it's time for us to finally do profiles on the biggest names in this draft. They won't be available for the Red Wings at eight, but I feel like it's still important for due diligence purposes to talk about Yurash Lovkovsky, who is Bob McKenzie has him on number one on his list now. And then Logan Cooley, another guy expected to go in that top three, but I've seen him go as low as five on some mocks. Uh, before we get to any of that, Sam, how you doing? Thanks for coming back on with us, man. Absolutely spectacular, and I think I'm doing better than Scotty just because of the uh, nature of his condition right now. Uh, I don't actually remember what you said afterwards. <laughs> I was too focused on the burn there. <laughs> I was just thanking you for coming back. Oh, uh, yeah, I love being here. I I'm glad that Scotty's back. Um, him at – what percentage would you say you're at, Scotty? Uh, a low one. Yeah, not a not a very, not, not a, a failing grade for sure <laughs> definitely not passing yeah well scotty you're, i know you're used to failing I, i've heard all about your ventures in school so uh this is great i'm glad i came back guys this is oh, plan. <laughs> all right well enough 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 jokes at scotty's expense he's suffering over there so let's let's be nice to him uh from here on out but sam yeah let's uh who do you who do you want to lead off with dealer's choice on this one you want to talk about Slavkovsky or logan cooley to start the show let's go with the dude who's apparently number one now okay Yuraj Slavkovsky. oh god i'm gonna butcher that name Yuraj Slavkovsky. Yuraj Slavkovsky. these european names with all these syllables man they throw me off Yuraj Slavkovsky is a six foot four left winger 218 pounds he's a big boy uh He's from Slovakia. This past season, he played for TPS in Liga. He had 10 points in 31 games. He played with two teams this year. Let me rectify that. He played in Liga, and he also played in the U-20 League, 18 points in 11 games there. Um, this guy, supposedly number one now, according to Bob McKenzie, and you know Bob McKenzie has a very impressive track record. I believe he's gotten the number one overall pick correct the ten last 10 straight years. Why do you think that he is now suddenly above Shane Wright on Bob McKenzie's draft board? And what have you seen from Slavkovsky that makes him a, a 
very minimum, a top three prospect in this draft. Okay. I don't think Sapkowski should be going number one. I'm just going to be completely blunt about it. I don't think he's a number one guy. If he is number one, the draft has got a, the draft is weak. Like, I, I just don't really know how else to say it. Now, that being said, I actually love Slavkovsky as a prospect. It's just like both me and Scouch and most of McKean's and most of everyone else that I've talked to, we had Slavkovsky at like worst top six, but mostly in that like three to six range before these international tournaments, the Olympics and the world championships took place. Then he went and he did really well. A lot of the production came from the weaker teams. Some people will take that as it, it, it was all cheat points that don't count. Other people will just be like, oh, look, Olympic, good performance. He did well. Therefore, he's very good at the when it counts, this type of stuff. I, I don't really know. I don't know if anyone's right about that because it's kind of just too hard to tell. That's a problem with small sample tournaments. But the season he had in Liga is not a first overall season. He just there's a reason why the production wasn't all there, even though he's a better player than the production indicated in his second half, especially his stretch at the end of the season was way better than his beginning. This just comes back the way I see it to the hypothetical ceiling thing of he's huge, he's skilled, he's mobile, and he can shoot. Therefore he has all of the tools to be a superstar. So he can be, and that kind of misses this huge fun like disconnect between what I was watching and his games because there is not a superstar level distributor there. He still doesn't read play well enough to manipulate defenders outside of valuable lanes, time his passes through those lanes, be deceptive on the pass itself. So other defenders don't know what the what to go on, what what he's trying to do there. Uh, not that any of this is a huge problem because he's still a great passer, like in terms of short passing game and like keeping possession. He's a monster. Actually, he's a freak of nature. It's his best trait. And it's why so many people adored him beforehand. He's a great shooter. This whole thing that he's like the goal scorer. I remember that was one of the quotes from Bob McKenzie's thing that he's the goal scorer. It's like, I think I could come up with a pretty strong argument that Shane Wright is a decisively better goal scorer, both in terms of shot and actually, you know, getting to the shooting areas and then you know also putting it in the net every asset i feel like goes in Wright's favor he's gonna be a net front menace he's a possession monster uh i've joked about this before just because it's such a stupid phrase but i was watching a game of his with a couple other scouts and like a group watch thing and he was just i think it was a world junior game and he had like three guys pressuring him as a puck carrier in the corner and he played a game of, I don't know how else to phrase it, other than magnet ass or ass <laughs> magnet, where like everybody who came behind him or came to pressure him in any way got caught with like a perfectly timed pivot to protect the buck with both reach and his just body positioning. And no one could do shit about it. It didn't matter what way they came in. He was just always skating around them. Ass, they could never get around them. It's just like he was a, he was a menace. And those things are all extremely desirable traits for an NHL coach. He is without a doubt going to be an NHL player. He's going to be a good NHL player. Like, I would be ecstatic to have him in this draft, just not at first. I don't even think at second. So, and, yeah. well, my follow-up question would be, so he had a he had a decent season 
in Liga. Yeah. You know, t- ten points in thirty-one games, playing in a men's league as an eighteen-year-old is Absolutely. is is, pre- is still pretty impressive. But when he got to the international play, he flourished. And like you're playing with now the best of the best, hypothetically, right? Like you're going to the Olympics, so you're playing with the best of everyone. You're going, obviously, the NHL didn't go, but then you're going to the World Championship, and I know you know that didn't. Uh, or the you're going to the World Championship and you're playing with the best in your like age group, and uh, he had seven games, seven goals with in the Olympics and the World Championship. He had three goals, six assists for nine points in eight games. Why was he excelling so much in the international stage, whereas in the Liga, in his own league, it was more moderate distribution of points? I was um, just writing something about this quite literally before the show started. Not about Slavkovsky, but just in general for the rankings piece I'm doing. Um, players sometimes have big booms, pretty much I'll call it, when they switch to an international roster because when they're in the club play, there's only so much they can do within the conditions of their environment. So there, there's tactics that they have to adhere to. There's systems that they have to adhere to. If their coach tells them to do something, they can't just ignore it because it will make the public scouts who's watching them upset. There's limits to their game. And also, you know, good coaches put them in strength, strength and positions as well. It's why some people struggle uh, when going international. But it's pretty much just, it's a big enough change of environment that you can normally see other parts of a player's game and get answers to questions you wouldn't be able to get through club play. With Slavkovsky, though, and why the international tournament didn't do so much for me is because he already kind of, like, he did the same thing. He didn't really change his game too much. He just implemented it better in this environment. A big part of this is because while the competition he played against was really noteworthy, it's a bit, it's not equivalent to someone who played junior the whole season and then coming up to play men and kick their ass. Slavkovsky was already playing against men. Slavkovsky's used to playing against men. Slavkovsky's used to playing in the Liga, which is a damn good hockey league. He knows what he's doing in this. This, this. That was not an uncomfortable environment for him. There was no adjustment period. And it's not hard to argue the quality of competition he was playing against, especially because the bulk of those points came from lower quality teams, except for a few examples, uh, is pretty much roughly on par, maybe slightly ahead, slightly behind. It doesn't really matter. Like It's not such a significant step up that it should be given such weight. If you can get answers from an international tournament that you can't get from their club play, like you're watching their club play and you're like, oh man, I really wonder about this or I'm thinking about that. With Brad Lambert for me, I was all the time. And then you go see them in the international tournament. You can get the answers because they're in such a drastic environment. Some players, this is huge for others. They struggle even more. Some at the end of the day, it's also, it is just the sample size, like a seven tournament or seven game tournament. Literally anything can happen. It's not likely that bad players will dominate, but like it can happen. Um, the whole thing with Slavkovsky just kind of boils back to like he had a great, great run at these international tournaments. So there's no denying it, and the gameplay was fantastic. It was also pretty much what we were kind of expecting going into it. And then he did really well, and I just thought to myself, "Hmm, wow, that was really good." Still, <laughs> uh, still the same player that I thought he was, but you know, there's more there. There was definitely more offensive ability shown there. But I, even when I was watching the points being scored, I was like, some of these are just coming from like, 
Like I get, it, it's a good thing to see him exploit bad defensive mistakes and ex, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it's still, that's different than creating the defensive mistakes, I guess, like actually manipulating them to do it. Yeah. And it, it, all that matters to me is the manipulation side because the, the mistakes stop once you reach the NHL. Like they happen once in a while, but, but like, like you're playing at a, at the peak level yeah, at that this point. This is peak hockey at that point. Like they don't make the mistakes like this and they read the game so damn fast that even if they do, they will likely make up for it unless you're already so smart that in the head of the play that you're just, oh, he made a mistake and you have that. You're already in within that one second window to capitalize. Slavkovsky doesn't play within that margin. So I'm not really. Like, he can with development, but right now I don't see him playing within that margin. So I'm kind of like, eh. All right. And then the tournament ended, and then he started. Apparently, he was top three, which I was like, that's fine. He played well. I can see what, yeah. like, this did answer, like, can he score at a high rate question? That was one, and he did. So there, there's a bonus there. It's just like, I guess it's mostly because I kind of went into the tournament. I'm like, he's going to score a lot, isn't he? And then he did, and I watched them. And there's a few where I was like, wow, that might be the most impressive plays I've seen from him. And I looked at his li- the list that I had where Logan Cooley, Brad Lambert, and David Yurchek were ahead of him, two, three, four. And I was like, I still wouldn't take you above them, but I'll move you up to their tier, which is what he did. So he's he's still the same spot, but his tier moved up for me, but I'm yeah. still taking the other guys. It's just not like, if you take him number three, I don't think it's a problem. If you take yeah. him above Cooley, it's not really it like you're not it's not a bad pick. He will be good. It's just like you might be leaving a really big game changer behind. Well, that's completely fair. And you know, if you go to betonline.net, you can get your odds on who's gonna go first overall. And they got some pretty good odds. So make sure you go to betonline.net. They're your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports, scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is your fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline. Where the game starts. That was pretty slick of me, I gotta say. I think that was pretty slick. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> uh, segment two, Locked On Red Wings podcast. Uh, we have Sam McGilligan of McKean's Hockey with us today as we're doing a breakdown on Yurash Slavkovsky and Logan Cooley, who are uh, presumably top five picks, maybe even top three, or depending on who you listen to, number one overall. Um, Scotty, before we talk about Logan Cooley, do you have any questions about Yurash Slavkovsky? I think... I think my biggest thing was just like with the um, when you look at all the rankings, he he seems at the moment to be just like a slam dunk to go around three outside of McKean's, obviously. Um, And you you mentioned like a tier or like what tier is he in kind of thing. Do you think that everybody else has him almost in a tier of his own where it's like it's it's right at the top? And then, and the, or like maybe it's he's second tier with him and Cooley. Like, where where is what t- what other players in the class d- is your tier? Do you put him in? And and what kind? How does that compare to maybe other people you've seen? I guess. Okay, I, I get what you're asking. Um, so I don't think anybody is in a tier of their own anymore. Like I remember hearing little whispers earlier in the year about people being disappointed when Shane Wright, like NHL side, being disappointed in Shane Wright by like. 
December, January. And I kind of dismissed it. I was just like, yeah, it's whatever. Like there's individual scouts will think whatever that that's like the NHL is a ton of scouts. There's going to be so many different opinions regardless that like, it's hard right. to make a definitive statement, but the, the idea that the gap was closing behind the people challenging him was happening all year. Like it, it, it was happening. And I think there were scouts come springtime that had already moved him lower than number one. I don't know if it was Cooley ahead of them. I don't know if it was already Sapkowski. I don't know if it's some random other player that we're not talking about. Um, I don't think Slaff has entered a tier of his own. I know Bob McKenzie said that in his poll, what he does is he talks to 10 NHL scouts who have, you know, good reputation, good standing, and a good idea of how the draft is going to unfold. And they give their list and it becomes an aggregate. And the Slavkovsky had five first place votes versus Wright's four. McKenzie then went on to say that if he played or if he did 10 other scouts, it could turn out the other way. Five, four for Wright's favor. Like it's such a thin margin. And I think that is pretty much the way it's operating. I also think in this specific case, um, it doesn't, what the other NHL scouts around the league think doesn't really matter. People keep looking back at this, like the Nico Heischer, Nolan Patrick one, where Patrick was number one all year and then Heischer came at the end and took it. But like Patrick and Heischer were very clearly tears apart in terms of play. And Patrick was almost all like, oh, well, he's been injured. He's been like the whole season's been kind of a wash, but we knew how good he was coming into it versus Heischer just coming and having a better season than people were expecting Patrick to have anyway. So it was a debate, but it wasn't a debate because most of the NHL had already lowered Patrick long before. Wright isn't reached that level. Like Wright is still looked at first for a lot of them. Second, at worst, I'll say third maybe. But I I don't think anyone's really in a tier of their own, which is why this can be so open. So it really just kind of comes down to Montreal's preference, which this could be the first draft in like 15 years where it really is up to the preference of the team picking at number one. And you can't figure out how it's going to go based on just polling NHL scouts. Cause well, like and- they all like t-shirt more than Patrick. Whereas now it's like, I, I talked about this with Tony on, uh, was it Wednesday's episode now about how it just always seems like in my opinion, and I feel like it's a majority opinion that centers hold more value. Cause you get, you draft a center. He doesn't work out center. You can move him to wing, but if you draft a wing and he doesn't work out a wing, you can't move him to center. So, and there's two centers in this top three in Shane Wright and Logan Cooley here. And so, if, if the margin is so slim that it comes down to personal preference, it, I still would find it hard to, and again, like if Slavkovsky turns out to be a 40-goal score, you're happy you got a 40-goal score. But centers, in my opinion, seem to be just more dynamic players. Like, they have the potential to be more dynamic players for you on the ice, higher-impact players. And Logan Cooley... You know, he's only five foot 10, 181 pounds. And in today's NHL, people want your players to be over six foot, but you can find success, you know, at five foot 10 in today's NHL still. We've seen that this year with Johnny Goudreau being under six foot. But again, he's a winger. Uh, Logan Cooley is a guy who's supposed to go top three as well. Uh, and it, it's like you said, the margin is so, th- so slim. He could go one, two, he could go three. This year with the United States Developmental Program, uh, he with the national team, he had 75 points in 51 games played with the juniors team in the USHL. He had 36 points in 24 games, scoring out a very impressive clip playing for the developmental program. How much? So here's the thing that I've always struggled with, Sam. And I guess like, this is kind of the first question I want to ask is how much stock can you put into the developmental program? Because a it's hard. Ton. A ton. OK, a ton. They are very good at what they do. These kids yeah. are coming out better and better. 
more even if the actual player crop isn't better because 2019 will likely be the peak of that player that what that team can be for god knows how long but like every year they're just getting a little bit better at preparing these kids for college like there's a few or every year where i'm just like yeah i don't know and then they turned out to be just better than i thought when moving up i don't know how they'll be pro because they haven't gone yet but like they're better ncaa players than i thought already they're just that's a it's a good program it's one of the best ways you can come up in junior right now i think and so one of the questions then is Logan Cooley, man. What what are your thoughts on this guy going top three? Do you think he could do you think he could usurp Shane Wright at number one overall, having played for this developmental program and really putting up great points? Or do you think he'll probably stay at three, maybe at worst case scenario four? He is my exact number two and the only dude in a tier with Shane Wright. And it's like a one A, one B thing. He's to the point where I would not recommend taking Cooley over right if I was sitting at a draft table with Montreal right now but like if Montreal was really going like okay but we really want Cooley that's it wouldn't take long for me to just be like all right if we're doing Cooley we're doing Cooley I'm fine with it let's figure out like you know how we're going to develop this shit and you know let's make sure it doesn't bite us in the ass but like I'm on board with it the talent level Cooley has is insane and the more and more I, I again I was actually just writing about both these guys this morning um Good. We got you where you're fresh in your mind. Yeah, really. The thing with Cooley that's got me is like, I just kind of feel like some of the things I've seen are a little nitpicky. A little nitpicky. It's not that I disagree with what the people are writing about him. It's just like, why is it a big deal, I guess? Like, here's the thing with Logan Cooley that probably stunted his ascension to challenge right early in the year is he was probably objectively the best prospect for the first few months of the season. Like he was insane. I actually had a really low sample coming into the year in Cooley and I was a little late to start the year anyways. So when I finally watched him, like he wasn't really even in my top 10 just because I didn't realize what type of player he was. And I saw the praise he was getting. So he was one of the first I started with and I was like, holy shit, this dude is amazing. Handling skills, unbelievable. Mobility, little deficiencies here and there, whatever, but the jet, the essence is he moves extremely well. The shot, it's not blazing or anything, but the timing and the release of it and the last second, like the last like millisecond directional changes are really nice. Uh, the fact that he can find open space to shoot like crazy is also very nice. He's just so much that Cooley was doing right. And he was super smart. He was killing it in transition and he was fantastic defensively. There was like nothing you could complain about. And then he started getting really creative with the stuff he was doing. And it started being more turnover-like. And Maybe got a little cocky. That's what I think a lot of... That's what I think some people are taking it as. And other people are just like concerned. They're like, well, you know that's a better play than that. Why are you doing it? And I kind of just keep coming back to the same thing where it's just like, these players are not playing for us. You cannot evaluate them properly if you think for a second that Logan Cooley, Shane Wright, Yaroslav Kofi, or anything it gives one damn what any of us online are saying about them or that we're not living up to their standards and they might tumble down our list a little bit. They don't care. If Logan Cooley is like, I want to experiment and just see the limits of what I can get away with with my hands, then Logan Cooley is going to go do that. That's, that, that's kind of the point of the development. That is literally, too. <laughs> and that's just the point of draft. Like this is the thing where I think of people view a draft year season as this culmination of everything that came before. 
where you are supposed to just put it all together to the best of your ability so we can project you as cleanly as possible and see what you still have to work on. And that is not what is happening. It is for some players and for others, they are already like, well, I'm going to like some, they're 18 years old, man. They all think they're going to the NHL. They're not and they should think that right now in this state, all of everyone who's in like the first three rounds still has a path there. A lot of them do. It's like, you should be thinking this. So you shouldn't be thinking, Oh, I must show everybody what I'm going to do. Like if, if you want a challenge for like top 10. Yeah. But if you're like a mid round guy or you're already solidified at the top, you're not thinking this way. You're just thinking about like, Hey, how can I expand my game? This was Shane Wright's season to a T. It's like, you can just tell he's working on off puck play timing his impact for like, making what plays he does go through with as impactful as possible with Shane Wright's game, which is why it's so much off puck and why there's so much of this floating laziness narrative going around, even though it's all calculated comp uh, composure. And with Cooley, it was just like, I don't know. I've got disgusting hands. What can I do? <laughs> it was just like, let's just see. Some of the stuff he did was like objectively dumb. And I have a feeling that if you walked up to Cooley after, he would have been like, yeah, that was dumb. I just want to see if I could try it. <laughs> like it, it, that's how it is most of the time with them and and i would be doing the same thing at my age at 25 if i had the talent that they had because it, like the, it's still the game like it's still yeah. supposed to be fun this does not mean that logan cooley doesn't know that he can't do this in the nhl he's trying to figure out what he can and can't do at this level then work with that to transfer these skills to the nhl and creativity is a process i lost last year with guess who simon edvinson because there were times where I was watching Edmondson where I was just big braining his decision making, going like, what the hell? Sometimes. And now what? He's amazing because <laughs> it was all experimentation because he knows what he was doing. I mean, he's still experimenting. There's still mistakes and stuff like that, but that's the process. Like, that's just what it is. He's still yeah, just a That's how you learn player. and grow. Yeah. But the amount of like the step forward he took this year was massive and a solid 50%, if not more, just came from. Well, let's just apply all of the stuff I learned I can't do last year and like let's see like what I can adjust to make it work now and let's just keep toying with this kind of balance of experimentation mm -hmm. and practicality and application. Well, okay. and if uh, the listeners want to grow along with these players, grow physically that is, head over to built.com and check out coconut brownie uh, chunk puff i'm on i'm in peak, peak form today scotty with these transitions i, I will you're, you're doing better than me brother <laughs> from the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds you've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar but guess what your friends at built have given coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment that's right the coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor you love is the deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100 real chocolate it's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness but stop drooling and listen. They are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. Go to Built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. The best part about Built Puffs is, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they are actually good for you. They are the perfect treat, perfect when you're craving. You need to satisfy your sweet tooth or if you need a quick, healthy snack. They're an excellent source of protein. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Go to Built.com right now to order your box of Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Puffs right now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
Final segment, abbreviated segment here in the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We have Sam McGilligan of McKean's Hockey. Uh, first half of the show, we talked about Yurash Slavkovsky. Now he's helping us talk and break down Logan Cooley's game. Both are projected to be top three picks on most boards. Uh, Scott, do you have any questions about Logan Cooley? You're a Sens fan, right? You're a Habs fan? Habs. Please Habs, don't not ever, Sens, ever, sorry. Don't ever say that again, or I'm <laughs> never coming back. It was a mistake. It was a mistake, I promise. He's sick. I, 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 I knew, that's fair. No, no, no. I, I, I knew you were a Habs fan. So at the top, it's you kind of talked about it at the beginning, but at the top, is it if it's not right, this is a failure, or is there a conversation for Cooley for you as a fan? Just I would a pure I, fan. I mean, there's a conversation for Cooley, there absolutely is. I don't think the biggest thing with the first overall pick, and this is so hard for certain. It's not that I blame them for thinking this way. It's just like it requires kind of a mentality shift towards stop thinking like a fan and more thinking like how this actually works, like the draft process and ever like how it functions inside the NHL is you can't mess up a first overall pick. You were a general manager, especially in your first year. You can't mess it up. You will get fired. (laughs) you will lose your job you lose nothing by making a statement online you can delete it no one's that probably 99% of the people saying this are never going to have the freaking messages saved by someone else anyways because it's all lost in the void that is twitter or reddit like it there's no stakes to it there's no stakes for me personally other than just credibility and people laughing which is whatever um for them there's huge stakes to this shane wright is can't miss even if his upside doesn't pan out that's still a player who will contribute some level. Like, and we're talking worst case scenario, he still contributes to some level. Like at worst, he would be like the tenth or fifteenth best player in a redraft, and that's really worse. And that's assuming quite a few players after him take big leaps as well. He's most likely somewhere in like the three to eight range in a re- in a redraft. He's an exceptionally polished two way center who's done nothing but grow smarter and smarter off puck, playing in a league where he definitely thinks way ahead of the game. And people confuse this with laziness because sometimes, and it is like legitimate, like sometimes he doesn't take the extra stride when he could or stuff. But like you, he also did in this 15 year old season, he did at the U18s last year. Like that, they're not aspects of his game that don't exist. I don't know why people are pretending they he can't do it. He's done it. He, this is clearly like an experimentation thing. So you take the player, you, you account for the risk when you take the player and you take the guy who was projected to go number one all year, still has, by most accounts, the strongest claim to number one. You don't catch as much heat if he sucks. Because you'd be like, you would have all done it too. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the thing. There's people who will say, like, well, well, you're an NHL general manager. It's your job to know better. You are absolutely right. But he's an NHL general manager, and he knows how that exact same mentality is used against him if he f***s it up because – if he takes that, if he takes Lepkowski or Cooley or something, and it doesn't work, he will be absolutely butchered right. by public perception, and this will affect how his how people perceive him, whether it is fair yeah. or not, for everything unless, else he does. Unless Cooley is is you know in the Hall of Fame in twenty years, like it, that's you know what I mean. Yeah. He's going to be like, just roasted for that forever. Hell, for sure. people, if even if the players were equal, there are still people who would be like, well, it was just yeah. like, no matter what you do. This is just how the draft has to be looked at and by more fans. I wish they would. No matter what you do, you can find a very easy way to 
twist it on the whoever did it. Like, well, no it's just revisionist what, history. Hindsight, exactly. Hindsight, like, hindsight does nothing at, in the draft. Like, look I, at the it, 2020 it, draft. I mean, the Red Wings were the worst yeah. team in hockey. Should have gotten the one number one overall pick. Should have gotten Lafreniere. They didn't. They ended up with Lucas Raymond. By all accounts, Lucas Raymond had probably a better season than Lafreniere this season. But no one would have predicted that because if the Red Wings would have had number one, they would have taken Lafreniere because that was the consensus number one overall pick. Like yes. you can't, you, you, you know, it's easy to make the right decision when you have history to look back on. Exactly. You know? Like hindsight is, the, I don't know if there's anything in sports that can be more worthless than hindsight and analysis for a draft. Congratulations. You know how it played out. Because you saw it. Now, <laughs> do me a favor. If you're going to critique people for blah, 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 and you think in if you're the type of person who thinks it's easy, then predict this year's draft and watch how wrong you will be. Because even what feels like the most sure, there's so much luck involved in this stuff. There's so many small variables that once combined add up to be like 30% of the equation that no one can account for ahead of the draft, except for maybe the most resource heavy NHL teams that that just gives them an advantage which you know they should they're the NHL teams right like of course they're gonna have an advantage that's the point like they're the ones who are working with the kids it, it, the hindsight stuff is just ridiculous but y you don't you take right I think you take right if you take Cooley it can work out if you take Slavkovsky it can work out there are un there is easily a scenario where any of those three end up the best player of the mm -hmm. bunch and it doesn't matter how you slice it. People will use revisionist history to trounce on the decision-making of these three picks, no matter what happens going forward, unless it literally goes best player went first, second best player went right. second, third best player went third, but no one knows what it is. So like coming back in a few years to dump uh, dunk on Kent Hughes or the devils or the, uh, not the coyotes for cleaning up. You can dunk on Arizona for everything else. Um, <laughs> Fair. Yeah, like it's that type of stuff is starting to irritate me more than it used to, just because I don't think I've ever seen it more present this year. But I also have a bias in this just because I'm a Habs fan who's been seeing this number one discussion. And the second we won the pick, my brain went as a Habs fan first. I was like, this is amazing. And right after I went, oh, this is going to be a problem. It's, it's just for me, like the only reason I ask really is because for what a year and a half we've been hearing about Shane Wright, Shane Wright. And then now as we do more of these profiles and talk to more people, it seems like he's going to go one and he should go one, but it's not because there's like a six mile gap in between him and the rest of the class, you know, like he's, he's the best and, and, you know, he, he should probably go number one, but it's not just, you know, send the card in the second the clock starts and just like, no, nobody have a conversation about it. Like it just, it, for for as for as slam dunk of a number one as he's been portrayed for the last fifteen months, it's just it's it's interesting to hear that like it's probably a little closer than people realize. That's all. Yeah, it, it, uh, so much of this might, and I won't make a definitive statement, but my theory, and it's not just mine; it's a popular one, is that like we just don't know how much last year affected these things, and we might never know because we're likely to never get another example of two draft classes missing two of the most important seasons one missing their draft year the other missing their draft minus one i don't know which one's more important the jump to major junior is huge and like the draft minus one is the adjustment period for a lot of these people and 
not getting that can be a bigger deal, even yeah. for the Shane Wrights of the world. Not it's the adjustment it, period for the players, but it's also an adjustment period for the scouts to find out what they what they thought they knew was wrong. Exactly. Every and not to mention, there's just because of the age that they're playing at, like we're talking 16, 17, like they're still like, de- like physical developments factoring in more so in the D minus one than in the draft year. And then in the draft year, it becomes easier to project the physical developments that will be happening after the draft. Like all of this ends up being pieces of the puzzle and we have no idea how it affected any of them. And we likely won't have tangible evidence of this unless pandemic 2.0 comes and does it again. And even then it would need to line up perfectly and have like 10 years down the line, we'd be able to say, okay, 22 ended up being screwed more than 21 because D minus one was clearly more important than draft year. And that happened in pandemic 2.0 and 2030 or whatever. God, I hope yeah. I'm wrong about that. <laughs> um, same. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> same. Uh, so I, I don't really know how to factor that into this to the point where some, in some way you almost can't factor it in because you just can't objectively measure some of this stuff like it, it, you might be able to if you're talking to the players and asking them questions and doing game film with them and comparing their you know d minus two to their draft year and this and that but like that requires way more in-depth video sessions than you likely already have in the development process it requires having a team that's already thinking like this which a lot of teams might just not and be like ah screw it you're like there's a bug uh, a lot of teams would be like well uh, yeah, screw it. You're already like this right now. Let bygones be guy bygones. It is what it is. Let's just work going forward. Like it's so much of this is just like impossible to measure. So yeah. like it, it becomes conjecture, which is why this draft class is such a. You know what the the word is disaster. Not for the actual player quality, although it didn't live up to the expectation. But in terms of like actually trying to scout this and process this, and then. Every time you then have to be like, oh, well, wait, what was the D minus one like? Like every time I write a piece this year and a lot of the ones I started didn't end up coming out because just whatever reasons. But um, I would write something about their preseason expectations because that always factors into the narrative of a season, whether it should or shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of those preseason expectations are built more mostly around the D minus one. And then, then like- half of them, I'm just like. Yeah, and he didn't really have one, so right. <laughs> like I don't know where he's coming from. Like, who knows what Ty Nelson went uh, first overall in the twenty twenty OHL draft, and he has completely slipped out of first round status by almost Crazy. everybody. And I am a Ty Nelson fan, but I don't like what I saw this year, and I'm worried about how it affects him going forward. And I kind of do wonder if like the D minus one is the difference maker there. Like does if this is his season last year, I'm not as concerned. I mean, he doesn't come into the season with his high expectations, but he's got a better chance of fixing everything. Yeah. Um, So it's so difficult. uh, Yeah. It it is going to be a really interesting, at least now that next year things should hopefully be back on track, but Sam, we are running out of time here. I uh, want to thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about Yarash Slavkovsky and Logan Cooley and a little bit of Shane Wright at the end as well. Um, where can people find your work? Uh, what's your Twitter? All that good stuff. Twitter is Sam underscore McGilligan. And this time I remembered the underscore. Um, <laughs> I have my rankings that will be coming out in two or three days. I don't know which one, one of them. Uh, they're extremely detailed. I've been working on this for way too long. Um, that's coming out on sammcgilligan.substack.com, but it's probably easier to just follow me on Twitter because it will be spammed. <laughs> um, 
And you could also follow McKean's Hockey because we do a lot of our work through McKean's, especially next year. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming from McKean's next year. We're dialing it up a significant amount. And I have one final piece coming out uh, about the draft, about my favorite player in the draft who shouldn't be my favorite player in the draft, but he is on Lane Hudson because that is awesome. And he's the most fun player to take a detailed look at. So that's coming out two days from now as well. There's been a lot of work being done lately. And <laughs> after the draft, I'm actually going to be doing a big project that accounts for Wright, Slavkovsky, and Cooley exactly like this, but in way more detail with video and the like. It's probably going to be the biggest thing I've ever worked on. Take me forever. But well, it will be coming out. Let's, uh, we'll make sure we redirect all our listeners to your stuff. McKean's hockey stuff in general is always really, uh, really sharp. Will stuff as well is really, really good. So. <laughs> Sam is better, right, Sam? Absolutely. I don't even know who Scooching is. Who the hell is Scooch? I don't know who that is. Um, but yeah, seriously, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us thank today about uh, Cooley and Slavkovsky. Scotty and I will be back next week. We're trying to figure out the logistics of Monday because uh, I have to work the Machine Gun Kelly concert on Sunday, but we're going to try and get you an episode on Monday. If not, Tuesday for sure. But... Same time, same place. It's your team every day except for maybe Monday. Who knows yet? Every day. (laughs) Every day.